Treasury yields have fallen back in the US. That's boosted risk sentiment a bit, which has seen big rises in the share market. And there's still an appetite for government bonds. $100 billion worth is being issued this week and maybe more coming down the line with Joe Biden's uh, people working on plans for $3 trillion in infrastructure spending. Where will it end? Maybe this is why Jerome Powell was saying overnight there's no room for cryptocurrencies as workable currencies. Imagine if he did. Might make buying up government debt a bit harder, mightn't it? It's Tuesday, the 23rd of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, in the uh, topsy-turvy markets of late, another strong day for the NASDAQ. It's at 1.7%. Not back up to the peaks we saw in mid-February, but it is heading back in that direction. The S&P 500 also at 1%, with uh, mixed results in Europe. The Eurostox 50 is down a tiny bit, uh, and shares are up in Germany, down in France, and uh, a quarter percent up for the FTSE 100, even though there was a drag from airline stocks with the realisation that perhaps the Brits won't be going to the Costa del Sol this summer after all uh, because of the slow vaccine rollout in Europe. Uh, This might explain the rise in shares in the United States, though. Ten-year Treasury yields are down four basis points. Yields are down a similar amount in Canada too and across Europe as well. A quarter percent fall in the US dollar, down 0.6% for the Swiss franc. The Aussie dollar is up almost 0.2%, um, over 75, 77.5 US cents now. The euro is up 0.3%. Oil has been down, then up again today. It lost 1.8% earlier, but it's got all of that back and another 0.2% to boot on top of that. Uh, much bigger gains for gas and copper is up three quarters of 1% too this morning. And Tapas Strickland is Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. He's here today. Well, uh, last week we were looking at 10-year Treasury yields hitting 1.75%. Today, below 1.69%. And um, still, obviously, pretty much what's driving the share market, isn't it? Good morning, Phil. Yes, that uh, small decline in US 10-year yields did help support risk sentiment there. So uh, US 10-year yields down by around four basis points, currently trading around that 1.68% level. You'd have to say, though, uh, overall, you'd have to, um, the move is more of a consolidation, just given that uh, US 10-year yields are still tracking around that 1.7% level. And in terms of the broad thematics of play, in terms of the influence, in terms of both um, equity markets and in terms of bond markets, uh, really came down to three drivers overnight. And the first one was um, a US infrastructure package possibly being a bit larger than some people in the market had had been thinking. Three trillion Uh, dollars. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then the other the other two were uh, some notion that uh, the uh, or just reinforcement that the U.S. Fed is unlikely to uh, taper its asset purchase program anytime soon. Uh, the Fed's Barkin was out on Sunday night and also early Monday, just reiterating that there is still a large shortfall in terms of um, employment and that uh, further progress will have to be made uh, in terms of that. And we do hear from Powell later on tonight uh, so we can get a little bit more uh, information in terms of that. And then the third driver, really, and you kind of pointed towards this in terms of the airline stocks, mm. is that rise in virus cases in, in Europe uh, really casting a bit of a growth dispersion and you're actually starting to hear some reports of uh, virus cases ticking a little bit higher in some of the reopening states in the US as well. So a little bit of, um, you'd have to say, caution in terms of the vaccine rollout, but we do have quite aggressive vaccine rollouts. They are progressing uh, quite, quite nicely. Yeah, well, particularly in the UK, I mean, astonishing numbers happening there. But the, um, so all this appetite 
for government bonds doesn't seem to be going away, does it? You know, even we're seeing many more of them. And look, if that three trillion, another three trillion, uh, which is the, the the figure from Joe Biden's economic advisors, which is uh, he's going to start with infrastructure. That three trillion doesn't include the tax cuts that are going to be continued for uh, for lower income earners. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not all going to be bond issuances. And so this is a surprise. I'm surprised we didn't see this reflected on equity markets. I think Joe Biden's going to talk more about this on Thursday. But how are they going to pay for it? Well, they are going to raise more debt, but also there's talk about raising corporate tax as well. No reaction to that on the share market. Uh, yeah, so there has been a little bit of reaction in terms of uh, specific stocks such as Caterpillar, but uh, no uh, bigger reaction outside of those kind of um material and industrial stocks. And I guess the key reason why is it's a very uncertain environment at the moment, although the headline envelope is about a trillion more than expected at three trillion, still very uncertain to what extent that can be passed uh, through the Senate, just given the numbers there. Uh, And Republicans, a number of them are on record saying they will not support an increase in in taxes. So in terms of how you fund a $3 trillion infrastructure package, that bit is still to be worked out. Um, Also just worth noting, Um, There is a little bit more discussion on the filibuster and uh, reforming that filibuster. So I think that is just something that's operating in the background and something worth worth noting. Uh, The filibuster is one of those mechanisms that does help uh, Senate Republicans to stymie uh, reform. Uh, And so if there's any movement on that, uh, then you could see a wider um, reaction to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe everyone's thinking that this will filibuster away. Uh, because it's such a large number. They could be talking about it forever, couldn't they? Uh, I guess the, I mean, the test is going to be as well is, I mean, we've got quite a lot of uh, new bond issuance this week, haven't we? We had some today, uh, which had a, you know, a slight decrease, I think, in the bid to cover ratio, but still pretty good. So there's an appetite still there, isn't it? But, uh, you know, 100 billion in, in bonds are going to be issued this week. Uh, yes, and a lot of the headlines are saying uh, bonds are looking a little bit more in terms of value now, just given where yields have uh, gone. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, vaccine news then, because uh, this is the this is still the big story, isn't it? Uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, the FDA still haven't approved it in the United States, but there was a big U.S. trial that showed seventy nine percent efficacy, uh, slightly more for the over sixty fives, and it's a hundred percent effective in stopping hospitalizations. So maybe this is going to be the thing that gets Europe pushing ahead, which is good in that, you know, if it gets uh, it gets the solution um, pushed through in Europe, not so good if it means they stop exporting the vaccines to other parts of the world, of course. But, I mean, they the, hopefully this will overcome, because the big problem not it's not just supply in Europe, it's also the fact that there was a YouGov survey today, for example, uh, which showed that in France the net score of those people who think the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe versus those who thinks it's uns- think it's unsafe comes in at minus 40 compared to a positive 40 in the UK. So uh, maybe the this trial from uh, from the US will change some of those attitudes in Europe although I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't count on it necessarily. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure in regards to uh, vaccine attitudes but uh, European nations generally have a lower appetite in terms of populations uh, for vaccination for whatever reason and the headlines around AstraZeneca and deep vein thrombosis is one of those contributing factors. The uh, US trial results were very encouraging and uh, just worth reiterating for most of the vaccine shots they have been found to be almost 100% effective in preventing serious illness and hospitalizations across all age and ethnicity so I think that is quite important in terms of reassuring markets uh, in terms of pricing the other side of uh, this recovery Uh, and also curiously um, the other findings that we've 
coming from the UK is uh, very similar kind of findings in terms of um, efficacy as well. All right. So, I mean, it is. It's a question. We're heading in the right direction. It's just a question of the timing of it, isn't it? Which is why the market's a little bit unsettled, I I guess, right now. But, I mean, the general, the outlook is is obviously very positive. But then we've got, you know, uh, the news uh, yesterday that, uh, you know, which the the idea of the bubble, the, the travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand, you know, that would have been good news. It will happen, but it's been pushed back. The decision's been pushed back another couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's just the timing of it all. Yes, and I think that's the biggest uncertainty here. So markets can quite clearly see the other side and exactly when that mm. timing does occur still remains to be seen. Uh, as we've been discussing on the morning call, the three countries that are really leading in terms of vaccine rollout are the US, the UK and Israel. And the latest stats in terms of the US suggest they're getting near the point where they could have a greater comprehensive reopening of their economy. Uh, around 70% of the over 65 years population now has had at least one vaccine dose and uh, 42.5% of the over 65 population are now fully vaccinated. Uh, so I think that point in time where the where the economy does have a whole scale reopening is coming forward, uh, especially in the US and to some extent in the UK as well. Yeah. And that should continue to see risk markets pricing that other side yeah. of the recovery. Well, let's hope so. Now, look, more weak housing data out of the United States, though. Uh, existing home sales for February down 6.6% on January, perhaps... Uh could it be the i mean looking back i mean there was the fear the interest rates might might rise perhaps that was part of it yeah so a lot of people are attributing the weakness in those existing home sales so they're down six percent consensus was uh, down three percent so fell a little bit more sharply than what most people were expecting there Uh, and uh, you also have to remember that there was some pretty severe winter storms and so they're also seen as a very large culprit and just worth noting that the data that we get this week a lot of it is data for for february and uh, there is a chance of lower than expected reads on a number of those indicators due to those winter storms it's it's, in a way it's quite nice to be talking about storms as actually being something that's influencing markets rather than having to talk about the virus isn't it? at least there, there are other causes of downturns are available uh, we uh, we get uh, the new home sales of course tonight uh, from the u.s and also you mentioned it jerome powell and janet yellen talking they're, they're in front of the house uh, financial services committee tonight and uh, jerome powell was talking at the bis summit overnight uh, it doesn't seem to have created many headlines or market moves but he was mainly it was an innovation summit wasn't it so he's mainly talking about digital currency uh, and he basically said well we don't need to rush it which sounds like the sort of thing that a central banker would say yeah that's right and uh, a central banker who wants to preserve their uh, fiat right in terms of currency printing as well um, and uh, basically yeah. he just said cryptos are not a really useful store of value and they're not backed by anything and uh, he just reiterated that in his view they're more of a speculative asset that's essentially a substitute for gold rather than the dollar so I think the progress in terms of a federally backed cryptocurrency um, is probably some way off in that environment. In terms of um, the uh, Fed's pal and Secretary Yellen's testimony in front of uh, Congress, a lot of focus will be on exactly uh, what their outlook for inflation is, especially given the US is going to be back at that kind of full employment level by mid-2022. And also any hints on whether the Fed is becoming less comfortable with its view on keeping rates on hold uh, throughout 2023. And I mentioned it in terms of when we were just talking about the Fed's bark and is there's a lot of um, conversation about what is a critical point that would see the Fed taper its asset purchase program. And the Fed's bark and said, I don't think we're right there right now. Um, in terms of substantial forward progress being made and that he's not even willing to have a discussion on uh, substantial forward progress until substantial forward progress 
has been made. So there's a lot of uncertainty mm. around exactly uh, what the benchmark is to see that as a How many times are going to use table. that line? We're not even going to discuss when we're going to start discussing. Uh, that's uh, We've been hearing that for, for years, haven't we? Uh, look, uh, talking about central banks, Andy Haldane and Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England, they are talking. Uh, Andrew Andy Haldane is uh, speaking at the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries webinar. Uh, webinar. How exciting does uh, does that sound? Uh, and uh, also we get employment numbers for you might like that though tap actually be exactly Daniel Ali I would have thought uh, and employment numbers as well for the UK today including average earning numbers and the unemployment rate for January yeah with the uh, UK labour market data again very hard to see it being all that market moving just given relaxations are starting to ease in the UK and the employment data is for January so uh, still likely to see some impact from the recent lockdowns in, in that data and indeed the consensus is for another sharp fall in employment. Uh, in terms of the BOE speakers uh, the Chief Economist Haldane there has been uh, making some pretty interesting comments around the uh, risk scenarios around inflation and that they're not necessarily asymmetric to the downside and that they may be more symmetrical with um, upside risk so I think um, in terms of that kind of conversation I think people will be looking at it quite quite closely. Right, yeah. Okay, uh, look, and I should have mentioned this earlier. How much of the, the reaction that we've been seeing on the markets today is Dan to Erdogan sacking his uh, his central bank out? Uh, we, we talked about that yesterday morning on the podcast, and we've seen the uh, lira fall 17% early on Monday. But the impact has been pretty limited, hasn't it, elsewhere? Yes, it does look like that the uh, fallout from the sharp depreciation in the Turkish lira has been fairly much isolated to Turkey. So you haven't seen too much of a bleed through to other EMFX currencies. I think I saw the Russian ruble down 1% and the Brazilian real down 0.4%. So at this stage, it does look like it's a Turkey-specific phenomenon here, and it doesn't look like it's spilling over into broader risk appetite. Indeed, as we were discussing earlier, uh, the stock market in the US was, was up overnight. All right. Well, I think that's it, isn't that? I think we've just about covered everything for now. Are you happy with that? Anything else you want to add, or uh, is that it? No, no, no. That's it. <laughs> That'll do for now. All right. Good to talk, Tapas. Great. Uh, thanks, Phil. Okay. We haven't got time for anything else anyway. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then.